Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey guys, welcome to episode 499 of the Talking Metal Podcast. What I'm going to do today is play episode 4 of Metal Raps. Metal Raps is a new podcast that I do with two friends who are both named Mitch. And we're having a blast with it. I'm not always going to put it out over the Talking Metal feed. So please go to iTunes and subscribe to Metal Raps. And also, please leave a review for Metal Raps on iTunes. We have a Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash metal raps, M-E-T-A-L-W-R-A-P-S. There is a Metal Raps Twitter, handle Metal Raps, and just show your support. We'd love to get everyone on board with this fun podcast. And again, the podcast is three guys talking about metal and rock talking metal if you will so anyways here's metal raps episode four going out as talking metal episode 499 again i'm not always going to put these metal raps episodes out on the talking metal stream so please subscribe to the show on the metal raps feed on itunes or spreaker or tune in all right thanks guys well, hey there, and welcome to episode number four of Metal Raps. My name is Mitch Joel, and we're here with one-on-one with Mitch LaFon's Mitch LaFon. Good day. Glad to be back. And, of course, we're also back with Talking Metal's Mark Striegel. Mark. How are you guys? Great. Um, I actually uh, I had one of those IRL in real life moments with, with Mitch recently. We were both at the Judas Priest-Steel Panther Arena Rock tour i think we were uh the only two people there though <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was um well it was like being at a rehearsal it, it's sad though because it, you would think that judas priest especially with ticket prices at you know 65 bucks would have at least eight thousand, nine thousand people show up but uh not the case unfortunately <laughs> So I've read that there were 2,000 people at the show. I've read that there were 4,000 people at the Montreal show for Priest. What, what do you guys guesstimate was the attendance? Okay, well, I'll, I'll, take, 
I'll take closer to 2000. I'll tell you why. The stage was at center ice, which would be the middle of the stadium, especially if you're in Canada, because we look at our arenas as hockey arenas. Sure. Um, the Reds would be the lowest level. Uh, the floor was general admission, not even close to being full. You could scroll your way probably right up the front row. The Reds being the lowest level, they sort of, they make the other sections dark, which is they cover them in some sort of canvas or material. There were areas of the lower Reds that were actually covered and the areas that weren't covered weren't full. So I'm going to go with 2000 and regardless of what the show was, which we can talk a little bit about, um, it was really hard to sit there and not feel a tinge sad or depressed. And yeah. what is the capacity of this place they were playing? Like 15,000 or something? Well, you, could go a the, bit, you, you could go bigger than that, yeah. Yeah, well, wow. depending on the configuration, you can get up to about 21,000. I think the Rolling Stones had had like 21,000 in there. So it, it was kind of sad. Now, by the way, officially, uh, because I was there in a the media capacity, I was told the attendance was 3,000. But, you know, what does that mean? Plus, yeah. That's a very I, that's a very round figure for an official figure. Yeah, and I was told through the grapevine that they were hoping by the end of the evening with walk-ups to have somewhere in the three thousand range. So I'm going to go closer to two. Wow. Okay. And of course, and, in New York, though, uh, Mark, you, you've been telling me that the tickets started off at sixty-five bucks, and now they're having a fire sale where it's twenty bucks, and yeah, you get a, you well, get a sandwich with it or something like that. It's become Groupon. Yeah, I mean, to put things in perspective, Montreal, an incredibly uh, known as at least an incredibly strong heavy metal town. Uh, New York, New Jersey, I think the most heavily populated, densely populated area of the United States. Uh, and, And priests are not bringing the people in in these two cities, which you would think they would. I know the show in Brooklyn that they just played the day of suddenly the tickets were down to thirty five dollars for next Friday's show in New Jersey. The tickets are now down to twenty dollars and I've been considering going. However, I do have some other plans happening that night, so I probably won't be able to go. I went online to Ticketmaster and I, some of the seats for $20, I mean, were really close to the stage. I mean, so I think the ticket sales for this tour, I'm guessing, are, are pretty are dismal. Yeah. Um, so I think we should talk a little bit about the show, but I'll tell you sort of one little link that happened to me while sitting there at Judas Priest. And Mitch and I were a couple rows apart, but I was able to stare at his male pattern baldness like I have <laughs> and, and, think, and think back to the last time. I felt that feeling, and ironically enough, I'll tell you when it was. It was when Iron Maiden did their first tour with Blaze Bailey, and they came to Montreal and they played a a well-known area called Jerry Park, which is actually the tennis stadium for 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 World Cup tennis or whatever it's called okay. here. And um, it was also sort of like semi desperate, not really full. And, you know, you're used to seeing Iron Maiden in, in a major arena and all that sort of stuff. And it was just sort of sad to watch them and play this, this tennis court, basically. And the same week, I see pictures on Facebook that Mitch went to see Blaze Bailey, who's in town playing this yeah, yeah. another tiny club here in Montreal. And I was like, what a weird sort of circular life I lead, <laughs> where the two most desperate, saddest moments of me seeing these amazing bands play were in these feeble 
feeble venues. I, I gotta to say, Blaze Bailey was was incredible, though. He must have done about four hundred people, four hundred and fifty. And wow. at the end of the show, he walked straight off the stage, right through the crowd, over to the merch booth, and he stayed there until everybody who wanted a picture and an autograph uh, got a picture and an autograph. And he didn't charge anybody anything. Now, conveniently, it was at the merch booth and the CDs he were selling a double CD for fifteen bucks. People kept buying them so they could have something to sign. But who does well, that, that? That's incredible. So the same week, Judas Priest brings in somewhere between two thousand and three thousand people. In Montreal, Blaze Bailey, a, a far lesser name. I mean, it just Does a fifth is of able that. is yeah is able to bring in a, a fourth or a fifth of that. Uh-huh. That 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 that's mind boggling. And and by the way, we should also add that Blaze's only real promotion for the show has probably been Mitch talking about it on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and and that, the that podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, but I, I gotta say, it was a great show. I, I'm I'm not a fan. Let's call me a fair weather fan. You know. The songs that he does that I like, I like, and everything else I don't care about. And uh, he did Fear of the Dark and Running Free and Iron Maiden, a whole bunch of Iron Maiden stuff. And it was fantastic. I mean, the crowd was really, really into it. So there you go. And by the way, speaking of those feelings of emptiness, um, for me, it would be the uh, Poison show of 2003 with Vince Neil and Skid Row. Boy, that, that, that Bell Center was empty. Too bad, too, because three great bands. But let's circle back to Judas Priest because there is um, an elephant in the room, as they say, and that elephant comes in the the colors and spandex and hairspray of a band called Steel Panther. Uh, The band in and of themselves, I think, have been very controversial in terms of people who are like you and I, the people like talking about and writing about this genre of music. Um, I happen to fall in the camp that loves them. I think that they're absolutely amazing. I think they're amazing players. I think their songs are great. I think that the parody that they're pulling off is absolutely hilarious. I actually wish that the bands that they're making fun of could write music as good as these guys actually can. And they're brought on this Judas Priest tour. I believe there's connections there. Satchel, who's the guitarist in Steel Panther, is actually Russ, who was originally a guitarist in Fight, which was Halford's band post Judas Priest, an amazing guitarist, massive pedigree, MIT guitar teacher from the same era as Paul Gilbert. Uh, he's, I think Steel Panther is absolutely amazing. People were saying that's part of the reason why people aren't going to the show. I find it hard to believe. If I look at the Montreal story, again, let's extend it a little bit. Steel Panther had just played Montreal to over 1,500 people sold out at a very well-known theater. Um, they could have done a lot more tickets because I know the promoter and they were talking a lot about them. When the band said, how many of you have seen us before? Almost anyone who was in the audience raised their hands, which led me to believe that there was a significant amount of people that were actually at this arena show just to see Steel Panther. And yet, when I sort of talk to my peers about this or friends, they're like, no, this is part of the reason why it's doing so bad. This is band's a joke. It shouldn't have, they shouldn't have been on the bill. They should have brought out like metal church or whoever else. Um, and I don't know. I, I don't know if I, I don't think I would have even gone had it not been Steel Panther opening. That's me. I'll throw it over. You know, I don't know. Mark, you take it. Yeah. You know, that's, it's an interesting point of view to hear because I've had people tell me, talking metal listeners tell me, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not going to the show because I hate Steel Panther. Uh, it hasn't been a lot, but I've heard that from from three, four people. I've had people like Metal Mike who played with Rob Halford tell me, "Oh, Steel Panther, it's 
I mean, this is going back a number of years, but him telling me that they're terrible, they're a joke, I, he doesn't like them, they are What's not to like? They're, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a parody. It's like spinal tap. These guys are, I think they're so talented. I think I don't have any of their records. I, I, I watch the music videos and I, I think they're absolutely hysterical. Um, so, Mitch, but, Mitch, you're a hair metal fan. Mitch, yeah, back me up here. You see, I can't though because to me, oh. it's, a, it's it's a different event. You know, when I saw Steel Panther, and I guess like you at the uh, Metropolis in Montreal in earlier this year, that was the perfect venue for them. And I don't mean venue as in the Metropolis, but I mean the perfect venue in terms of where to play and how to play it. Everybody was there for this jokey fun night with Judas Priest. It didn't work. It, it, it sort of made the whole event sad. You know, you, you need, I totally disagree. Oh no. I, 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 listen, these guys, and I enjoyed Panther, Still they Panther. played go on YouTube. They played Wembley. It was this massive metal fest. They crushed it there. People were going nuts. Like a hundred thousand people. It's crazy. This audience, I, I, I don't, I don't like. I get that as as metal fans, we're supposed to be like, listen, if we're gonna be serious, we're gonna be serious. Right. And if I'm gonna be a serious metalhead guy and like Priest and Slayer, I can't say that I like Poison and Winger because then I'm seen as being a wimp or a wuss. I am not like that. As Sarah Silverman once brilliantly said, I don't judge what my ear holes like. Okay. Right. My ear holes happen to like a whole bunch of stuff, and I do tell people that if I should ever get accidentally murdered in the street, I am fundamentally worried that someone will see my playlist and go, oh, God, do you believe what this guy used to like? But I don't <laughs> judge that. And so I'm able to go to a show like this and just be like a guy who's not a teenager anymore who has to have my set ways and rules and go, listen, these guys write great songs. They perform well. It's funny. It's silly. It's stupid. And people say, well, it's sexist. It's this. It's, it's, supposed, it's comedy. It's like stand-up comedy. And it's supposed to make you feel even a little bit uncomfortable right. and they push it that's what they do uh, i but can sort of go steel panther great okay now let's get into some priests like i can make that transition pretty easily but you you mentioned sarah silverman for example who's um, in a steel panther video oh that's right. true good yeah. nice right. one but, but <laughs> that's I, too all but metal she yeah <laughs> i wouldn't want to see her be the opening up to the opening act to iron maiden you know i i would rather see anthrax i would rather see just about anybody. It just wasn't the proper place for them. And and I think that that's what's helping make the, the, the sales soft. Plus, but you know, Mitch, there are people who would say that if, if you look at what happened in Montreal, it's easy to say that that's what, why people were there. Yeah. I don't know. That's the, that's the whole thing here is it's easy to say like, Oh, my friends said this, but I think if you looked at the raw numbers, it seems like people were coming out. I have friends who work at that arena who know people and they were telling me that there were steel panther fans lined up from like three in the afternoon for this show there was nobody there for priests in terms of lining up at that hour what does that tell you I, yeah i, I gotcha. don't know <laughs> no but you, you know i think I, you know i think priests have their own problems I, I don't think the album that they just made is connecting with a lot of fairweather fans i don't think that rob halford's voice is connecting with a lot of the fairweather fans i think it's we're down to the real diehards but I think if you take Judas Priest and you throw on Scorpions to open up, Whitesnake to open up, Anthrax to open up, suddenly you've got a metal event and you've got a lot more people. Now you've sort of got what we had with David Lee Roth and Cool and the Gang. You've got this sort of jokey thing going on with the serious thing and you go, eh, it's not worth my time to come out on a Monday night, which is, you know, it was a Monday night. So 
So for you, it's the parody thing. The parody thing was a mistake. Let those guys do what they do. Putting them off with Priest, you know, probably yeah. not the smartest move. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think the Priest did it knowing full well that they might actually pull in people. And so I, I think it's fair to have two different camps on this. That's totally cool. So let's let's um. And by the way, think- let me just finish with by saying, I like Steel Panther. I like what they do. I, I get what they do. It's funny. I just think it was a lot funnier in the club in May or April, whenever it was, rather than on an arena stage opening up for a legendary band. It just didn't, it didn't fit, but I still like what they do. And, and I've interviewed Satchel recently. I interviewed Michael Starr. I'm all about what they're doing. Just not, not there. I wouldn't want to see them at heavy Montreal either, quite frankly. No, I would. I, I'll, I'll go see, I'll, I'll follow them to the ends of the earth. That's me though. So <laughs> rock, rock and roll hall of fame. Uh, mm. Inductions are coming up. We had the nominations announced very, very recently. Uh, finally, we get to see Ace Freely and Paul Diano uh, become nominated. Of course, I'm just kidding. Uh, we have to <laughs> we have to work those names in because if we don't work both of those names in each show, I mean, what are we doing here? Yeah. Um, the big announcement, obviously, Nine Inch Nails in terms of rock, Green Day, uh, Lou Reed. I think the controversy is is for sure around Sting because the police is already in, and now Sting is being inducted as a solo artist. Um, Which is more fair enough. Fr- I mean, he did he did he did quite a bit solo and uh, tons, tons, tons. And and then of course we have NWA, which is really interesting. And the minute it gets announced, no matter what happens, Knives Out. Psh- Right? Where's Deep Purple? Where's Judas Priest? Where's Iron Maiden? Where's Bon Jovi? Where's Molly Crew? Where's Blue Oyster Cult? Where's Def Leppard? Where's Journey? I could go on and on. Where's um, Poison? Where's po- Poison? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Good you, luck with that one. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, if really, now we're really scraping. Uh, LA Guns, maybe next. Who knows? Yeah, um, what do you And, and Blake Bailey. Exactly. Well, yeah, we got Blaze, Blaze and Paul <laughs> might get inducted together. Who knows? Paul Deanna and Blaze Bailey together. Um, Mark, what do you what do you make? Is this something that we even need to pay attention to every year, or is it just one of those things where, when it happens, it's just a great opportunity for us all to hop on blabbermouth or brave words and be complaining? Yeah, I, I think at this point, the shocking thing would be if they nominated Deep Purple or Blue Oyster Cult or something like that, or, or Bon Jovi for that matter. It's like, listen, we we know what what we're going to get from the rock and roll hall of fame you know courtney love i'm sure will be nominated before deep john purple bon jovi. Yeah, yeah or john bon jovi it's just like it's just a complete joke the the people who run this thing are i know these i, I i've worked a little bit with these people from my days at vh1 i actually know one of the guys who's on the board they're the stuck up 70s rock critics who have always hated all the bands we love, including Led Zeppelin. When you, I mean, sure, they put Led Zeppelin Kiss. in the Hall of Fame. But yeah. Kiss, of course. But Rush. <laughs> even Sabbath and Zeppelin got terrible reviews in Rolling Stone magazine back, yep. back in the day. You know, And now the, those at reviews have been, of course, rewritten in all the Rolling Stone um, you know, review books and stuff that have come out in more recent years. They're they're just they're just completely out of touch with Middle America or Middle Canada for that matter. <laughs> middle Earth. Yeah, um, Earth. yeah, Middle but, Earth, literally. But but what's interesting about that is as you as you diatribe on market, it makes me realize that we are no matter what we do, we will never be the intelligentsia, right? Because there right. is this sort of feeling of it has to fit into this 
strange box and this sort of cool factor. And, you know, listen, I, I waver back and forth with a band like Bon Jovi in particular because definitely a band that I've known from day one, definitely a band that I knew every single lyric to every single song and listened to them ad nauseum when they came out. I really fell out of love with them later on in their career. Sure. Probably after these days, I think I sort of just lost touch with that sort of cycle of album tour. Right. And um, I still have to be able to look at the grand catalog and the grand expansive career that they've had and say to myself, it just doesn't seem right that a band like Bon Jovi would not be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I, look, we can, you know, I mean, you, you laugh at a poison, but I really would put a poison aside. And if I were to say another standout one, it's for sure a Deep Purple. It's sort of yeah. just, it just is well, sort I, of I like all strange. three of those bands. And I think all three of those bands should, in 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 my Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, those bands are shoe-ins, all three of them, you know, and and it's just ri ridiculous. Laura Nero and, and these bands that were so insignificant to most people um, just because a small bunch of old fogey New York critics think that they're, they're something they, they get, they get put in the fame uh, hall of fame when the bands that we all love. And when I say we, I mean the collective just are not in there. But what I don't understand is the criteria. I mean, is the criteria you're so wildly popular that you've affected pop culture that you get in, then Bon Jovi has to get in. They've affected pop culture. There's no doubt about it. Or, I mean, what is the criteria? I mean, when you look well, at the Hockey Hall of Fame or the Baseball Hall of Fame, it's you got the numbers. It's not whether you were on a team people liked or the, you wore the great number or you had nice hair. It was, here are your numbers, you get in. And there doesn't seem to be that here. It's not record sales. It's not how you affected pop culture. It, it just seems not to tour be, grosses. Yeah, it just seems completely confused. I mean, uh, you know, Cheap Trick is certainly more Hall of Fame worthy uh, in terms of ticket sales, album sales than Patti Smythe, but she's in. Bon Jovi's done a hell of a lot more, you know, sales wise than Run DMC. Though Run DMC did affect pop culture, so. You go, okay, well, what are we basing it on? And there doesn't seem to be anything tangible. It just seems to be, well, we'll, we'll just pick it out of a hat and, you know. No, I think it's <laughs> tangible, Mitch. I'll tell you what it is. I think it has to pass two sniff tests. And the two sniff tests it has to pass are nerdish or cheesy. And I think the minute your band traipses into a bit too nerdy or a bit too cheesy, they sort of go, that's not really what we want to be representative of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I think it's just fundamentally that. So you're right. If you're going to look against metrics of things like album sales and tour roses and things like that, it's a whole other ball of wax. Sure. And I think the actual foundation of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame foundation would look fundamentally different. But it's a sniff test. And the sniff test really, I think, is around if it's too nerdish, you know, Rush, Deep Purple, potentially, or it's too cheesy, Poison, Bon Jovi, Journey, it's just not going to get by for these guys yeah but madonna is cheesy you can't tell me madonna's a serious artist i mean everything she does was uh, contrived mitch we don't have a full other 15 minutes to talk about how wrong you might be about that <laughs> statement but but she um, is contrived i mean it, it was all it was all show i mean she was kissed with boobs you know well, okay, Mitch. Like I said, I, I'm not gonna. I ain't gonna go down that road because you and I would go fist the cuffs on that. But um, <laughs> and I'd be right. Before we wrap up, guys, I want to know what's been happening on Talking Metal really quickly, Mark. 
Well, we are gearing up for episode 500, and I think it's going to be a real thank you. You know, it's been nine years, and we're about to hit 500. I think we're going to have some some special interviews. We're going to have a few big name artists come on and join us. We're going to have a few lesser known artists, but guys who have been appearing on the podcast, you know, bi yearly since the beginning, coming back to say hello to us. Uh, and I'm I'm really really excited for us for for it. Um, one of the stories we uh, one of the interviews we have is Phil Ensalmel, and I believe he tells an incredible story about the old days of Pantera that has never been heard before. And I, I think it's really, for Pantera fans, going to be mind-blowing and big news. But we will see. Mm. Mitch, what's been happening with one-on-one? Well, you know, tons of stuff. And since we're talking Priest and Steel Panther, I have a Rob Halford interview out there that, that came out a couple of weeks ago. I think Rob was absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's been dissected by Blabbermouth, by Brave Words, by Classic Rock and all these places. So definitely go check that out. Richie Faulkner, of course, Judas Priest is on there too. And I've got Satchel of Steel Panther. I haven't released that yet. Should be out within a couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, let's, let's go with those ones. Just a lot of great stuff. You've also had Eric Gilbert from Mr. Big. Eric Eric Martin. Eric Martin. Eric Martin. Sorry, Eric Gilbert. I was thinking about Paul yeah. Gilbert. See what I did there? I meshed the two guys. Yeah, you did. And um, well, they, they, they're they're one, right? Don't they have a song <laughs> called? Anyway, but yeah, I had uh, Eric Martin uh, of Mr. Big. Um, you know, their new album is 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 really great. Um, people always think, oh, they're that band that does the the "To Be With You" song. They're just this acoustic hippie band. But this new album. Um, and suddenly the name escapes me. The, the stories that we could tell, something like that. Um, fantastic. It's, it, it's a great rock album from, from top to bottom. And it's not very muso. It's, it's, it's very accessible. So uh, No, no, listen. I'm, I'm a massive fan of these guys. I think Lean Into It to this day is one of the greatest rock albums out there. It is an absolute killer. So if you, if you want to just reminisce, go back and listen to, to, to that album. It's absolutely killer. Lean Into It was a great album. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. And, um, Mitch, you're also doing a Sammy Hagar giveaway. You want to show for that? Yeah, absolutely. If you go to Twitter and you uh, tweet in, I want at Mitch LaFon to hook me up with at Sammy Hager's new album, Light Roast. Uh, you'll automatically be entered to win one of five of his new album, Light Roast, which features Dreams, Finish What You Started, and a bunch of other stunts uh, done acoustically. And uh, I've heard it. Sounds bloody killer. So tweet away, folks. Awesome. Well, as always, it's been great hanging out with you guys for a little bit for Metal Raps number four. We'll be back with Metal Raps number five in the coming weeks. Until then, you can always find me on Twitter at, at Mitch Joel. Mark, let them know where they can find you and then Mitch. Yeah, I'm at TalkingMetal.com. That's nice and simple. I'm at, the, <laughs> I'm at Mitch LaFon on Twitter. And of course, if you want to go to Facebook.com, you can either look up Mitch LaFon or look up one-on-one with Mitch LaFon. Two pages. I run both. Join me on either or both. Awesome. We'll see you all next time. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.